This podcast is listener supported. To help us out, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash RedBullRant. The following podcast may contain language not suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. This is the Red Bull Ram Podcast, the official Red Bull Podcast of Western Nation and Wanta Metro. I'm your host, Jason I. Pico. I'm Pat McDonald. I'm Truman, and this is episode 167, capital W. Yeah. Capital, bold, everything. Italics, everything. Under Underlined. Of uh, size, increased font, like what, size 72, whatever. Right. The, I, I maybe increase the margins on top and bottom so nothing else gets close to it. I mean, just like all out because that was a big, big win for the Red Bulls. Uh, on a weekend where MLS put four games back to back to back to back and only one higher seed team won, the Red Bulls were that team. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. what I'm talking about. <laughs> So they are the only team with an advantage going into their second round game. Um, one nothing. The away goal, the important goal, st- scored by Dax McCarty, who very rarely heads the ball in, but somehow found himself on the back post completely open on a free kick and buried it to give the Red Bulls a one nothing lead going into leg number two at Red Bull Arena. So let's talk about this one. Um... I'm going to change it up a little bit. Usually we do our like and dislikes, and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Truman, since you were there, mm. I, w- I, wanna, I want you to kind of talk about it. I, I don't know if this was your planned like or anything, but I kind of want you to tell us about what it was like there, especially since they put you up in the second deck. Well, first of all, I didn't like getting up at 5 in the morning to go to a game. Can I just get that off my chest right now? Wait, 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 can you, wait too early. Can you recount uh, you your entire experience in the voice of Morgan Freeman? And then, Jay, can you pipe in some... Dramatic background music. Um, well, I have to. We have to pause the show, so that's not going to happen. Oh, I don't have dramatic good. background music. Unless... I could cut a Macho Man promo doing it, but you know. <laughs> I mean, I have... uh, so yeah. I mean, it was a beautiful day. We had um, how many buses go down? Like six buses or so, six or seven buses go down, and yeah, they crammed us all into the upper deck, which uh, is horrific up there. Bunch of rusted out seats. I, now, we, we were in the stadium really early, probably like 45 minutes before kickoff. And so you sit down and you think the seat's just going to snap underneath you. It, well, it's, it's truly a terrible experience in the I, upper deck. I, I saw some pictures where the seats were actually on the ground, literally on the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there's one that broke uh, two rows in front of me. Broke. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really bad up there. Um, but it was a fun experience because we did get the win and the fans were – loud, and I'm talking loud, loud the entire game. Some people needed to be motivated a little bit. I think a lot of a lot of fans came just seeing a cheap free ride down to D.C. and decided not to participate in the singing, but whatever. You know, we brought a good crowd down there. And it was, it was, it was great. It was a great day when they scored. We just did uh, Twist and Shout Forever, which I'm sure the D.C. fans hated. And can we hear it on the TV broadcast? Just so you good. know. Good. Good. I haven't, I haven't seen any of the broadcasts at all, so um, 
But yeah, it was a great day, and it was a nice long ride back. We snuck a peek at some of the other games going on in the bus ride back, but great experience. I haven't been on a legit bus uh, trip for a game in years. Actually, the last one was in the, was 2006 to D.C., so I've driven to every other game since, driven to New England and Philly and stuff. So it was nice to be back on the bus traveling to and from a game, especially when you come away with a win at a place you've never won before in the playoffs. Nice. There you go. So with that, let's get into our likes and dislikes, and we can go to dislikes, of course, first, because we have to end on a happy note, especially when. So, Pat, you're up first. What did you dislike about this game? Um, you know, I, I think I got to, you know, I'll do one mini dislike real quick. Uh, you know, the the stupid radio network that the uh, that everyone's been clamoring for. I actually wanted to use it this time because I was on the road, and I couldn't get the stupid thing to load. So uh, that's my mini dislike. Uh, my mini gripe that the dumb thing that's dumb doesn't work. And uh, my main dislike is, uh, you know, obviously uh, Paranel Zubar, um, you know, it, to lose Paranel uh, for the rest of the season uh, when he's been such a crucial player, um, you know, all year, uh, real revelation at a uh, uh, revelation, sorry, at a, uh, you know, the at a center back, you know, it's just it's a bummer to see him go down. It definitely gives you a little bit of pause, a little bit of worry going forward, because uh, as we all saw, uh, Zubar certainly has a habit of being reckless here and there. Um, hopefully he can lock down because he has overall been better than he's been bad. Um, so, you know, hopefully he can play with his head screwed on a little tighter uh, this upcoming week. But right now, that's got to be a big dislike um, with those Pernell going down and uh, Zubar uh, pretty much almost costing the game for the Red Bulls. Let me ask you really quick. Were you using the, uh, Mi- the Mix IR app for your phone? I was just clicking on it from the link, and I tried to download the Mix IR app, and it froze like halfway through. Okay, because that's I have that on my phone and it's it's worked pretty well in the past. Uh, just throwing it out there to pile on uh, the Damian Paranel. That another issue there was yeah Zubar coming into the game. Um, he now to be fair, he made a challenge on the ball. We'll talk about this later, but he was not looking to foul anybody at all. He was going straight for the ball. Just didn't turn out that way. He got the yellow card. And Miazka has a yellow card, and now you have two guys sitting on yellow cards going into this game, which may or may not spell trouble for the next round if they happen to go through. So that's that's an even worse factor. That uh, you know, and I'm gonna break. I'm gonna talk. I want to talk about that in our last segment where we talk about the upcoming. But it's uh, it's not good. It's not good when you have a situation like that. Two very important spots uh, with yellows. Bradley Ray Phillips with a yellow. Unwarranted for stu- for something stupid too. Right, Un- completely unwarranted yellow card. And my my other dislike was when they put up. I think there was six minutes of stoppage time at the end of the game. Yep, six. The, the two people behind me yelling after the first thirty seconds, "Blow the whistle! <laughs> Blow the fucking whistle!" And they did that for the entire six minutes, even though I kept telling them, "There's six minutes of stoppage time." Six minutes of stoppage time. He's not going to blow the whistle after a minute of it. Oh, boy. People, watch the game for crying out loud. I can't take it. <laughs> ah. And by, and by the way, go back to yellow cards. Miazga's is bullshit, dude. 
you know, yeah. they're j- jostling for the ball and, you know, nothing really happened. So maybe, maybe that's why Zubar got away with only yellow. Maybe the ref knew he blew it earlier and he was like, oh, I guess I got to go soft on this one. Well, I, I guess I have a different opinion on this one. And let me preface this by saying that in real time, I can understand why the referee gave the card he did. That's an important distinction because it wasn't until I saw the slowed down replays where I saw, and like I said, this is only my opinion. What I saw was Zubar go in for the ball, get the ball. His foot may have been like on the top half of the ball, but he got it. And I don't remember the guy's from DC's name. And it's just, he ran into Zubar, which at full speed is completely understandable. I'm not saying that he could have avoided him, but there was no follow through by Zubar. His back leg kind of stayed bent the whole time. So I don't, I'm not even sure a yellow was warranted, but like I said, in real time, I can understand what the referee gave a yellow. So I'm happy he did not get a red. Yeah. And maybe that's what the disciplinary committee saw too. Maybe, maybe. they saw the same that's, exact thing. I, I think, yeah, with disciplinary committee, I, I kind of feel like there was enough of a shadow of a doubt that a yellow was enough. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, well, I think personally think it should have been a red. Well, I mean, the disciplinary committee is very clear that unless they see something above and beyond what the referee saw, that they will, they generally will not make an adjustment to a call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... If if they don't see anything else that wasn't described in the referee report, that's very unlikely they will give an additional card. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm gonna have to agree with you guys that the the cards are just not a good thing. Miazga is not his fault. That was the referee being stupid. Ray Phillips, you could say the referee should not have given it to him because of how close it was after the whistle. But come on, buddy, you can't just go kicking the ball like that, especially towards the end of the game. The, you know. The referee at that point had been going on a little bit of a, a spree with the cards. Don't don't give him a reason to give you one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like if it's at the beginning of the game and you kick a ball away because like you were you thought you were on side, you're not going to get a card there. But end of the game, you have to realize that you can't be doing that kind of shit. You're just going to get you in trouble. What is the worst part about all of that though is when the cards go away. Because if the Red Bulls do get past DC United, and assuming for argument's sake that none of those three players picks up a second yellow against DC, if they pick up a yellow in the first leg of the conference finals, they would then be suspended for the second leg of the conference finals. The, the cards do not get wiped out at the beginning of the next round. So now, both those, so now all three of those players have to be on their best behavior for two straight games, not just one. It's quite the sticky situation. It is, and and I mean that's at right. Phillips last year it was two yells in two games, but I mean he like you saw what happened to him. He thought he was going for the ball on a replay. It looked like a valid a legal play, but it was so close in real time that the referee had to give it, and then he missed the second leg in New England, and we could have used him then. So the the players have to be careful, especially at center back, because DC is going to go after them hard, looking to get them in trouble. We're going to talk about that later. We, I'm just saying. Later. I'm Can just we saying, wait till later? I'm just saying that's going to happen, but we'll talk more about it later. Um, I don't have the predictions written down from last game because, um, well, we don't care about standings anymore, so why bother keeping track of them? But anyway, and I don't make them anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But so we still have to get to the likes of the game. 
So, Truman, you go first. What did you like the most about this one? Oh, what did I like? I'll tell you what I liked. So, the last time the Red Bulls played DC at home, where they won 3 nothing, and we talked about this after the game, Pat and I were sitting, you know, on the other side of the field, and they scored. And all you heard was a bunch of knuckleheads talking about how terrible Sasha Kleshin is, right? Oh, <laughs> what a terrible player, right? He's so bad. He's so bad. Who took the free kick? Oh, I'm sorry. Faked the, the free kick, then took it, that led to Dax McCarty's goal. Who did that? Who did that, that Jay? Was, that was a question. Oh, it was? That guy who's terrible, who shouldn't be on this team, who should have stayed at Andalic, that guy? He's yeah. really bad. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, because all I heard from these idiot fans is that he's terrible, mm-hmm. which just goes to prove that they they pay absolutely no attention to the game of soccer at all, <laughs> except for who puts goals in. That's that's it. So suck it, you dummies. Uh, that was an absolute great free kick. Your little stutter step, stop, pull back, fire, boom, Dax McCarty, goal, game over, drive home safely. Yeah, it, it- it was a beautiful thing. And I think my like is pretty much on that exact same place is that, you know, Dax McCarty has just been, you know, the phenomenal in the captain's role this year. He's taken it upon himself on so many occasions to move this uh, team forward, whether it's been through defensive work rate or whatever, or these key, you know, goals like this. Uh, he hasn't done many, but they come up and they're nice. Uh, so, you know, you just got to love it. You got to love how the future number six of the United States men's national team is, uh, Doing it for the uh, Red Bulls right now. That's right. Future number <laughs> six. So, uh, not that he listens, but Jesse Marsh, if you are listening, I, I want to offer some advice up to you. Have Sasha Kleschen kick it to the back post on every single set play until <laughs> until the defense realizes what you guys are doing. Because apparently nobody ever defends the back post. Three set pieces in three straight games off the back post with a goal. I mean... It's not a coincidence, right? Like it's beautiful. Just, just keep at it. I don't care if it like the five times that early do it. But like, wait till it gets to like number six or seven, then you change it up. Just keep going for the back post every time. <laughs> just do it. Trust me, you'll get you'll get one. You will, and that's all. And you know, actually, you, you'll probably get two if you keep doing it that way. And two, two is the magic number, really, right now. So before we move on, let's talk about the scenarios for. Uh, Sunday, and, and we'll we'll talk about the actual prediction, but I just want to have the scenarios for you so when you listen to our interview, you'll understand uh, some of the stuff we talk about. So, with the away goal, and the one nothing aggregate lead at the moment, if the Red Bulls were to win or draw the game on Sunday, they will win the series outright on goal aggregate. If the result is a one nothing win to DC United, the series will be tied at 1-1 with each team having a world goal. World goals, really, yeah. away goals are the tiebreakers. So in this particular scenario of 1-1 one, one, after 180 minutes, the game would then go to two 15-minute extra time periods plus penalty kicks if needed at Red Bull Arena. It would be immediately after the second game. Uh, if DC happens to win and scores two or more goals, then they will win... Uh, regardless of the outcome of the aggregate scoreline, because they will have the away goal advantage. So I just want to make sure everybody's clear on that before we take a quick break. Yeah. So do you think uh, do you think that Red Bull Arena security is going to be on the lookout for like you know, Rafa Marquez wearing like a 
dastardly cape and top hat with like a twirly mustache. And he's going to run out and <laughs> just take somebody out and then blame like, you know, wouldn't surprise Matt me. Miazga. What's that? Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. He is yeah. dastardly. He's dastardly. I'm Rafa Marquez. I'm here to ruin your day. <laughs> Sounds like an old, like eighties, nineties. Oh no, sorry. I guess, I guess eighties. Uh, cartoon villain would be the better analogy there. Uh, I or think he pretty much paint, he painted himself as an '80s cartoon villain in the in his time with the Red Bulls. So yeah. he yeah. was Snidely Whiplash. That's that's what I was thinking. I couldn't think of the name. Wacky <laughs> Races, my friend. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna have on with us from the DC United blog, Black and Red United, uh, Jason Anderson. So we'll be back with more Red Bull rant right after this. Welcome back to the Red Bull Rant. Uh, we want to welcome onto the show the evil version of Jason because he writes he writes about DC United. I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but uh, welcome back to the show, Jason Anderson. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I, I I don't have the evil goatee. I actually am more closely shaven right now than I've been in like six months. Oh, for shame. Yeah. It's, it's a it's, trick. That's, it's, that's no shave, evil, it's no shave people. November. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I guess I just have to be weird. <laughs> for what it's worth, I trimmed mine. I didn't sh- I didn't shave it off. I just trimmed it. So. So you're actually more evil. Yeah, I I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't on the DC podcast this week, which is kind of weird. We, anyway, we we are bad at planning. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> yeah, see, evil people are good at planning. So that's even another check mark for me. Um, except for like the final part of the plan, because Bond always seems to foil it, but um, or any hero, I guess, really doesn't really make it fun. Right. Anyway, um, speaking of spoiling things, New York Red Bulls won at DC United one nothing, uh, taking leg one and getting a crucial away goal heading into the second matchup of this playoff series between our two teams. What is the general reaction uh, for fans in D.C. right now? Uh, I think the scoreboard is a little less discouraging than the nature of the performance from D.C., which uh, I believe the passing percentage was something like 54%. Um, and passing percentages aren't they aren't the end-all, be-all by any means, but 54%, uh, it's pretty much impossible to have played a good game of soccer and only put together that many passes. Um, so that was... That was pretty brutal, um, and I think it also is one of those games where the last half hour lingers a little more than the whole 90 minutes. I think United got worse as the game went on, um, and so if you look at it as a whole 90 minutes, it's like, well, the the back half was bad, but the beginning wasn't awful, um, but when you leave the stadium, all you're really remembering is like, wow, those last 30 minutes were absolutely horrific. Um, even if it had been 0-0, it would have been pretty a per, pretty discouraging 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, so I, I don't think people are as alarmed by the scoreline as much as just um, how does this team put together a a good game against a team that doesn't give up much at home at all and tends to score a lot at home. Um, how do you turn, you know, it's almost like needing to do a 180 in six, or six days, you know, prep 
Um, so that's that's a little worrying. So yeah, not not exactly great. Did Fabian Espindel play that game? Because I know he was talking a lot the week prior up to it. Was he actually on the field? I mean, I didn't notice him. Uh, he was he was in the game trying to win headers because United decided to just hit the ball long over and over again, which is good for Saborio, but not really good for Espindola um, to try and win headers against Matt Miaska and um, uh, anyone really above his. I think he's even general, generously listed at five ten. I don't even think he's that. Um, so yeah, not, it was not the strategy that would allow him to, to flourish at all, and thus uh, it, it was one of those games where it was like. Other than trying to anger his opponents, um, that was pretty much all that was going on. But, I mean, if you're going to play long balls to someone that's that size, it's probably not going to work. Now, you know, going to this game, you know, Red Bull fans, I think, were encouraged that uh, Chris Pontius and uh, Bobby Roswell were not going to be on the field for the D.C. Uh, is there any sort of optimism added to the fact that now Damian Paranel is going to be missing uh, time for the Red Bulls? A little bit. Um, I think... People are aware that Ronald Zubar has been uh, inconsistent, um, and Paranel has been a big surprise. I, I knew watching him in 2014, I thought, you know, he's a decent third center back to have on your roster. I don't think he's a capable starter, and when it became clear he would be the starter all year, I thought that's not the best situation for the Red Bulls, but he's he's really turned out to be better than I, I thought from his first season in MLS. So, um, yeah, his absence definitely does help somewhat. Um Espindola really made Andrew Farrell look terrible uh, in the knockout round, and I guess the hope would be to try and set him up against uh, Zubar one-on-one as often as possible just to try and see if you can repeat that sort of magic. But um, against New England, they played the ball on the ground a little bit, and uh, if, if it's a Espindola versus Zubar for uh, balls in the air, then uh, the things aren't going to work at all. So... Um... I, I don't really want to ask, but I feel like I kind of need to. You, you know, Ronald Zubar is obviously going to take the spot of, of uh, Paranel, and we'll call it a controversy about his foul that earned him a yellow card. Um, MLS decided that, or sorry, the disciplinary committee decided that it was not worthy of suspension, so he will only be carrying the yellow into the game. Not the DC fans general, but what just your you in particular? What did you think about that foul? Uh, I thought it met the requirements for a red card because of not so much because um, Zubar's studs weren't exposed, but he went in violently. He really launched himself at the ball, and he ends up. I don't think he intended to at all scissor um, Halsey's ankle, but that's what he ended up doing. Um, and I think it's not it's a it's a clumsy, reckless red card rather than a uh, violent or malicious red card. But I think it should have been red. Um, I think it met the standards that the league has set. Uh, and has said they want to enforce, but the disciplinary committee is such a crapshoot. Um, and all season long, you see things where it's like, how was this not uh, clear? And how how did how did this draw a suspension? How did that not draw one? Um, it, it it once it went to the disciplinary committee, I was telling people, I, I was like, there's like a 60% chance they'll suspend him, and that's all I could give. Um, and there were people down here that were like, no, it's got to be, he's got to be, it's sure, surely he's going to spend it. And I was like, you got to pay attention to the disciplinary committee. They are not, uh, you don't want to bet anything on their actions because you just never know. Um, though I will say I did, when Boswell um, fouled Agudelo, I was like, well, that's probably going to be a suspension. That's uh, that one I don't think they're going to, to be confused about. But I thought it should have been should have been read in the game. Um, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference the way the game was going at the time. But 
just from a consistency standpoint, I'd like to see something, uh, some move from the disciplinary committee where you could at least count on what they're going to do on tackles like that. Well, if it was Rafa Marquez, don't worry, it would have been a 15-game <laughs> on the exact same play, just saying. I don't know, maybe Zubar's got the disciplinary uh, people in his pocket. No clue. I'll just say from my point of view, because I was at the game, it right by what happened. I, I think you're right. He he was going for the ball. I mean, that's what he was sl- sliding towards. Unfortunately, he didn't really touch the ball, you know, causing that accidental tackle. But uh, I'll digress. Um, I I just re- I really want to talk about the upcoming game. Um, I have my own opinions on how I think DC is going to try to get back in the series. I will reveal that in our next segment. But how do you feel, like, what is your best way for DC to get back into the series and uh, maybe break through and get a goal in a very, what's going to be a very, very hostile environment at Red Bull Arena? Right, and uh, a place where I think United's last three games have been 2 nothing, 2 nothing, 3 nothing losses. Um, so they've got to change the... I think they have to change something about how they approach these games. Um, I think... The first thing they've got to do is they've got to establish in the first 15 minutes that the Red Bulls can't just press up the field endlessly because once that – I've noticed that when the Red Bulls get going, the cycle sort of never ends. And that was why they played so many long balls at RFK was to, you know, if you're going to press, fine, we'll just play it over top of you. Um, and in and of itself, that did stop the press. It just didn't turn into a winning strategy. It only it only took away a portion of what Jesse Marsh is trying to do. It didn't actually make – uh, United, the better soccer team on the day. Um, I think if I would like to say um, that Michael Farfan should get a start uh, over Halstead and that they should move to uh, more of a 4-1-3-2 and add one more attack-minded player to the midfield, but Farfan has – he's not he hasn't been on the injury report at all, but we've heard consistently um, for um, from our site, from Steven Streff, who, who attends practice and, and does our um, beat reporting – that uh, Farfan is dealing with a groin strain, and it's um, he wasn't even on the bench uh, on Sunday. So I would I would be surprised if he can play. And Olsen doesn't have anyone else he really trusts in that role. Um, Facundo Coria could play that role, but doesn't really do any defending. Um, Colin Martin uh, does a little defending, but is is still only 20 years old, and I don't think you throw him in as an attacking midfielder in in this game and expect much at all. Um, so I think they've got to deal with – if Farfan can't go, they've got to deal with the 4-4-2 and just be more positive about it and force the Red Bulls to think twice about just pushing the numbers forward. You, know, you get to the point in the game where Kamara Lawrence looks more like a left midfielder than a left back. Um, by that point, the game is already going the way that the entire uh, Red Bull strategy is is designed to go. So. Um, I think they've got to do something early to force the Red Bulls into doing so, being a little more hesitant to press. Um, and then from there, they've got to do more work on set pieces because on paper, they should be the better set piece team. They've got the bigger players. They've been, I think, the best set piece team across MLS. But in this matchup, um, I believe with McCarty's goal, it's now Red Bull, the Red Bulls have three set piece goals to, to DC's one in the four matches this season, which is... Uh, a recipe for disaster when you're already the lesser attacking team uh, from the run of play. You've got to at least be able to uh, win the set piece battle, and they just they haven't done it yet. So they really need to make some adjustments there. And and uh, in the past, apparently Chad Ashton, one of the assistant coaches, has been really good at designing some tricky set plays, uh, some some stuff that that fools the opposition. 
I think he needs to be doing some he, whatever he's got in his back pocket. His uh, his emergency plans they've got to come out because uh, I do have trouble believing that a team that scored nine road goals in 17 road games in MLS this year is going to score enough uh, from the run of play. They've, I think they've got to generate a set piece goal to uh, to get back in this. Now, if that doesn't necessarily work, have you considered consulting the local Native American tribe of DVC to do a snow dance? <laughs> I I, uh, I feel like uh, you only get so much snow karma in your lifetime, uh, and that that game might have uh, might have used all of it up uh, just in that one outing. Um, but it would be it would be something I think. But what's the forecast? It's not supposed to be any remarkable weather at all, right? No, I'm wearing shorts and I'm in New Jersey right now, so uh. right, nice, <laughs> uh, unseasonably warm. I, I don't think um, I don't think the weather is going to to be uh, a factor. Uh, unfortunately, I, it would have been. I don't want to say uh, fun because obviously you guys have to get to the game, and I know in 2012 at least one of the DC buses was in a minor accident on the way back. So it's never fun to have to drive in a ridiculous uh, superstorm, snowstorm that all happens at once. But uh, it would be kind of appropriate, I guess, but uh, sometimes you don't get what you ask for. I got nothing right now, so someone else. Jay, you got nothing. <laughs> nothing. Terrible. Terrible. Just like DC. Um, oh! <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, Evil Jason, were you at the game on on Sunday? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure now. Uh, it's funny, you know, when you're sitting, I was there sitting in the upper deck, and that place was, uh, I was scared to death, actually, being up there. <laughs> um, and I always know you, we do chants, and you, you know, we always do the, you can't, you know, we can't hear you, you're not sitting mm-hmm. over there, blah, blah, blah. From your vantage, who was who louder? Just, where were you, and who would you say were the loudest supporters? Just being honest, I'm, I'm just curious. I, my, my seat was two rows behind the Screaming Eagles, and, the only time that I could hear the Red Bulls fans was when the goal was scored and after the game was over. But that's because I'm surrounded by people doing chants the whole time. Um, it's it's difficult to hear anything beyond five feet away from you at that point. So um, I was not in a good position to hear anything but uh, DC supporters. But I will say at the end of the game, um, the traveling Red Bulls supporters were quite loud, um, which, you know, who wouldn't be in, in, in their shoes at the time? Um, but yeah, up until that point, it's, it's impossible to know, um, from where I was sitting because, uh, there was a lot of screaming, uh, going on and then it started becoming a little less, uh, enthusiastic and a little more desperate. Um, but still, you know, pretty loud. It it was a, it was a good, uh, a good atmosphere. I, I was surprised, um, that the upper deck, uh, didn't have any, you guys didn't run into any actual problems in the upper deck other than the general, like, nervousness about being up there. Oh, you didn't Uh, see the pictures then, did you? Uh, no, probably Chunks not. No. Concrete. <laughs> yeah, people people were taking souvenirs home. Let's <laughs> just talk and say well, that those, one. Those probably have been there for who knows how long. Um, <laughs> those are those are those are from old those are old events. I mean, I, I went to the '94 World Cup at RFK, and I think my seats were like three sections to the right of where they had the Red Bulls fans, and the upper deck was shaking back then um, in 1994. So you know. Uh, at this point, it's it's uh, I I have this theory that that RFK Stadium is like it's it's going to appear to be on the verge of destruction forever, and it's just never going to die. It's just going to be there forever. 
Um, and, you know, 70 years from now, people will be like, how is this thing still staying up? Like, it looks like a, a strong gust of wind could take it down, and it'll just still be there and inexplicably uh, not knock down. It'll survive. Uh, DCs move out. It'll it'll keep, just keep surviving forever. It's like a cockroach. It, it'll be like the car in Blues Brothers. Once they finally close the doors on it, that's when it disintegrates completely. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that could be it, and and I'll be like uh I'll be like Elwood, and I'll just take my hat off and have a, a moment. <laughs> so me, speaking of, sorry, go ahead, Truman. Oh no, just just I just wanted one more follow up on fan stuff. Um, is there any word more annoying than shoot? Shoot the bull! Shoot <laughs> when they're like you know fifty yards away from the penalty box. I. I... I've been hearing that since I was like five years old. I've been hearing people at soccer games, whether it's child game or children's games or professional games, yelling at somebody to shoot or or just to kick it forward, um, regardless of what's actually going on. Um, I will say that when DC and RSL played the 6-4 game earlier this season, uh, I believe sometime around, I think it was 5-4, and Andrew Dykstra happened to be in goal that game, and he collected a long ball like 40 yards from DC's goal, and I got several people to start yelling shoot uh, at Dykstra inside <laughs> DC's half because in that game it felt like any shot was going to go in, so you might as well. Um, unfortunately, he didn't oblige. He did not shoot. He would have scored, I think. So uh, speaking of the DC moving out, um, I think there's been a little bit of progress on the stadium since we last had you on. So can you just give a quick update to our fans? What's going on with the stadium in DC? Uh the, the last real development was that the city the city had by the end of December to either buy the one well, the one most troublesome plot of land they either had to buy it or file eminent domain paperwork uh, apparently they did at like the last possible moment at on the the that day um, on the 30th like they got the paperwork in as the office was closing because of, of course they did um, <laughs> rather than turning it in at a reasonable hour Um the the two other parcels of land they just agreed to a price uh, I believe I can't remember which parcels now because there's five or six that it's it's hard to even keep track at this point um, but uh, all signs are that there's no there's nothing going on once they filed the eminent domain paperwork uh, legally speaking that the land became theirs so um, even though it's not the the courts haven't settled who gets that land it's still legally the city's land so they can do whatever they want with it. Um, so everything is still moving forward. I still have, I know they still have said that they're holding out hope that 2017, there are games played in 2017 at the stadium. I really don't expect anything before 2018. I really hope that it's open for the first game of that season. Um, I hope it's not one of these deals like Toronto and Kansas city have had where they played like six road games or 10 road games in a row and then got to go home. Um, or Houston did that as well. Um, and I know that those teams actually ended up going on a run because they had so many home games in a row, but um, I still feel like you're really you're really rolling the dice there because you could also end up, you know, with eight losses in your first ten games and you're pretty much screwed. Um, so I, I would really hope that they're just ready to go for the early spring 2018, but um, until they start actually digging up some dirt and putting down some concrete, uh, it's all kind of up in the air, but fortunately no no bad, there haven't been any bad news moments where it's like, oh, the stadium might actually go under, it turns out. Now, has there been a uh, fan petition or a kickstart campaign to turn one of the walls, much like um, 
you know, the aquarium at uh, Marlin Stadium or the Stingray Aquarium at Tampa Bay to have, like, one section be, like, the raccoon zoo because it just wouldn't be the same without the raccoons. I mean, I, I feel like every stadium everywhere has some sort of rodent uh, living there. It's just not a raccoon. It's just a regular uh, rat or mouse. Um, I think the only the only thing that fans really don't want to let – there are two – actually, there are two things. I shouldn't say only – um, the fans want the supporters section to bounce because at RFK it bounces. The, the thing is at RFK, th- those seats are on a movable track from adjusting the baseball to not baseball. Um, and that's the only reason they bounce is because the, it, the seats are literally sitting on the ground rather than actually like stuck into the ground. Um, in case you want to be more worried to be at RFK. Um, but, uh, that's the reason they bounce. They've always been like that. Um, they didn't start bouncing as the stadium got old. Apparently it was like that back in the sixties and seventies. Um, people want that. I don't, I think they're looking at what they can do, but I don't know what you can do. I'm not an architect, so, you know, I might not, I might just be ignorant, but, um, the other thing people want is, um, the latest renderings had, uh, too many sections were not covered by any sort of canopy or um, roof of any kind. People are worried about keeping the noise in, and they're also worried about... Um, we, we had a weird number of people that were really worried about getting sunburned, um, which is a real life... It's like a grown-up concern um, <laughs> that just did not occur to me whatsoever. Um, but uh, maybe it's because I'm, I'm not adjusting to being an adult, um, <laughs> even though it should have happened like 10 years ago. Or you know um, how to actually take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do, I do have this thing called sunblock. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think the the roof, uh, the canopy issue is has become just as big with a lot of fans as the bouncing stands. Um, apparently, I was just hearing today that the canopy could cost like eight to ten percent of the construction cost. I don't know, that doesn't make sense to me. But I, like I said, I, I don't know anything about these things, so I, I'm completely making up numbers as to what something should be worth. It's like, oh, that should be worth a couple million dollars. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it would be nice um, to have a full roof. Uh, Red Bull Arena has uh, a roof all the way around, and that seems pretty pleasant. Um, but, you know, I'm of the opinion that the, the team isn't moving out of town. So, if the sta- I mean, if the stadium's name ends up being a personal insult to me, I'll still be like, well, at least the team did leave town. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really just going to take whatever they whatever they hand out. You mentioned the word architect, and this is going to be my last question uh, before we get out of here. What was your reaction to Seth Rollins getting injured, and who's going to be the next WWE champion? <laughs> uh, I, I I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> good man, good, good man. <laughs> Don't worry, Pat. We'll ask you that question later on. That's right. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, we have to ask you for your prediction for Sunday. So, Red Bulls are up one nothing. Uh, you know the way goal. So the scenarios are Red Bulls win or draw, Red Bulls win. Um, a one one nothing win by DC forces extra time, and any win by DC where you guys score at least two goals means you guys win. So what do you think will happen on Sunday? Uh, I think against the evidence of this season, um, I'm going to go with with um, the general history of these, these playoff matches being a little more dramatic um, and a little more high tension. Um, I think... Also, United season just hasn't made a lot of sense all year long. They've just been weird. Um, they've done, they've come back way too many. Like mathematically, there's no reason they've got like nine comeback wins um, in soccer, in, and they're not even a high-scoring team. It just doesn't make any sense. So I'm prepared for a a nonsense result. So I think 
United scores and forces extra time, uh, which gets crazy. I think maybe we see multiple extra time goals, and then we see uh, penalty kicks. And um, given how the penalty kicks uh, went earlier in this playoffs, um, and with Bill Hamid and Luis Robles both really good at stopping penalty kicks, we could see, like, five kicks for each team and the final score being, like, one nothing on penalties. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, maybe we see even goalkeeper penalties. I think it's it's not really based on evidence um, because the evidence this season points to United just not being able to score enough goals and, and the Red Bulls being able to score too many goals. Um, but this team has been extremely weird and extremely hard to predict all year, so I feel like there's one more... Uh, amazing and inexplicable twist with United, and and they, I don't think they're going to be the dominant team by any means, but I'm I'm definitely my heart is is demanding that I say one nothing and extra time and penalties, so that's where I'll go. All right, so then just real quick, since you said that, okay. how many how many posts get hit during penalty kicks? <laughs> uh, let's say let's say I'm gonna go conservative. I'll say three, but only because the goalkeepers are going to be making so many saves. Um, so the post won't have to get involved. It'll just be uh, a goalkeeper war, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen before. Okay. Um, all right, so like we always do, uh, I know you guys, you've been on the show a bunch of shit, but where can people find you uh, on the Internet? Uh, I am writing uh, – I'm the co- co-managing editor for blackandredunited.com. Um, our Twitter account is at blackandredu and is written out, and it's just the letter U. I don't – I don't know why it's not the full name. Maybe we're too many characters. I don't know. Um, my personal account is at chestrockwell14, um, and uh, I think that's it. Oh, and the filibuster podcast um, at filibuster DCU. Um, that's it. I think it's too many. It's too many things to keep track of. <laughs> All right. Well, Jason, thank you for uh, taking time out to talk to us. Um, with this, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this. Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. Once again, I thank uh, Jason Anderson for coming on the show. Black and Red United dot or I'm sorry, Black and Red U, I think dot com is the actually what he said. It would help if I actually pay attention to the guests, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's from DC. It's all right. Yeah. And you think since it's a explanation blog, I should understand what the URL is. All right. So it's not Black and Red U. So I'm pretty sure now it's United. Yep, Black and Red United dot com. There you go. Anyway, not that you guys are actually going to go there, but anyway. Um, <laughs> not a single Red Bull fan. I, yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, so Red Bulls, like we said, take a one nothing aggregate lead into the second game against DC United. Uh, that game will be Sunday, November eighth, three p.m. start time, broadcast live on ESPN. Um, hopefully, nothing gets in the way. Uh, before we actually get the predictions, the one thing I want to make a note of. Uh, once again, the MLS is having four games in a row uh, this week. Uh, Red Bulls play at four. Or sorry, three. I just said three. What the hell's wrong with me? Um, then Columbus, Montreal play at five on ESPN. FC Dallas versus Seattle at 7.30 on FS1. And Vancouver, Portland at 10 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Um, 
for some reason, I don't know if it's just scheduling wackiness or not, but apparently um, I'm going to guess that MLS is confident in New York's job to get it done because New York is the only game that doesn't have a two-and-a-half-hour window. Hmm. New York, New York, D.C. only has two hours before the next game. Yeah, I guess we're they're, they're pretty confident we're going to win in regular time. Yeah, exactly. Everybody else, eh, it may happen. We don't know. <laughs> All right, anyway. Um, so predictions for this one. Pat, you can go first. What do you think is going to happen in leg two of the Eastern Conference semifinals? We're going to win. We're going to win, son. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, look, you know, you heard it in our guest voice. Um, you know, DC themselves, they're not very confident. Um, you know, I think that extra game didn't help them. They're not a young team. Uh, you know, and I think they just got heavy legs. They've been inconsistent all year. Um, there's really anything short of, you know, Ronald Zubar or Matt Miasa going full Rafa, uh, is not gonna, it, DC has very little shot. Um, you know, it, it's, it, despite our, um, you know, our worries about Paranel being out and Zubar taking over, Zubar is overall fine. I mean, he's an overall fine center back. He's prone to gaffes here and there, but I don't think, I think he's prone to gas against top competition, like play, players like Giovinco, players like Didier Drogba, who they very well could play in the next round, but not uh, players like uh, Fabian Espindola and Alvaro Sabario. So um, I think the Rebels will employ their attack better at home than, than D.C. Uh, I, that being said, I still expect them to be a little more conservative than they were in the 3 nothing win at home. So I, I'm going to go with a 2 nothing win. Um, it's unfortunate we only scored one way goal because it pretty much makes the away goal rule useless because of DC scores, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, but I, I'm going to go with the 2-1. I'm pretty confident going to this one. Uh, and uh, we will be seeing you to Columbus or Montreal soon enough. I do not make playoff predictions. That's why we're not taken seriously, Truman. That That's why. Said, that being said, there really isn't a reason for the Red Bulls to lose this game because a draw or a win will get them through. DC uh, looked bad, bad last Sunday, and I think they're going to look bad this Sunday. The only thing I think they have going for them is it's it's the rivalry, and you just don't know what kind of shenanigans could possibly take place. And the fact that I think their best plan of attack will be to go right through the center of the Red Bulls' defense if they can, because they know there's going to be two central defenders sitting there on accumulated yellow cards not wanting to make a dangerous foul because they know they can miss the next game. And there is nothing behind them besides Wima and, oh boy, Roy Miller that can back those guys up if that happens. (laughs) But that being said, they're going to have to get through the Red Bulls midfield, and that has been the strength all year. That's going to continue to be the strength if they continue to get through the playoffs. Is That's... That's how they win games, is that midfield is just Dax and Felipe creating havoc and Sasha making plays. That's how they win, and I'm thinking that's how they're going to win again. I don't think it's going to go to any kind of extra time because I think that would have to be 1-0 DC at the end of regulation. I I really don't see that happening. Um, I can see, again, the Red Bulls getting off to an early start here. The crowd is hopefully going to be in there on time. Everyone has plenty of time to show up, tailgate, get your butts in the seats at the stadium by 3 o'clock. 
And uh, let's just hope for a big win here and move on to the next round. Pressure, pressure, more pressure. Apply as necessary. That's been the game plan all year for the Red Bulls. Um, that's obviously what they're going to do on Sunday. And I think it's going to work. DC is going to have to press early and often for goal um, because they are not going to be able to just sit back and hope they're going to nick one towards the end. So just play, the Rebels, as long as they just play their game, don't back off, don't play defensively, they'll do fine. Um, it may take them a while to get their first goal because they're going to they're gonna look for DC to make a mistake. Eventually they will, and I believe the Red Bulls will pounce, and uh, I think it will be a 2-1 scoreline for New York on the day, 3-1 overall the series, and no question about who wins the second straight year in the playoffs. So there you go. All right, let's move on. Uh, two more seconds to go. Truman, first off, your terrible team of the week. And now since we're in the playoffs, we're starting to crack the, or starting to reduce the number of teams you can pick. Well, let's just say it was DC because they stink. Uh, the other games were pretty tight. So I, re- I thought we were retiring this at the season's ends, but that's fine. We'll go playoffs. I don't, I don't mind taking this to another level. I, I, I can actually think of – I can still think of a team that's not in the playoffs if you really want to go for it. I mean, we we can continue this. It's fine. Uh, at least right, for well, a let's, couple let's, rounds here. Let's go for like this this week and next week, and then we'll see how we feel. Okay. Uh, DC, they stunk. Uh, they were the home team that lost. You need to say more. Right? Uh, can, am, am I wrong? I don't think I'm I wrong. Can I make a suggestion? Sure. New York City FC. Oh, you know what? They, they were so terrible. <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs, and then they fired a good coach. Yeah. Oh. And and what's most likely going to happen is that just they're just going to be a proving ground for the next coach for Man City. Yeah. You know uh, it's gonna you know it's gonna happen too. At, actually, and, and and on the bright side, the Red Bulls never did that. Actually, what I've heard is that Fabio Capello's in the running. And here's I the bullshit g- on that one, but anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, either way, look, if he's in the running, I mean, what's funny to me is. You know, the front office pretty much dictated to uh, Jesse, uh, uh, Jason Christ who he needed to play. And has that ever really worked out with Fabio Capello in the past? No. You know, like when the English FA said you can't play John Terry and he quit. So, yeah, I kind of – I'm really hoping they hire Fabio Capello and we just have an absolute train wreck next year. <laughs> I, I think uh, they uh, we played the Frank Lampard that that loan forward this year that will win games. <laughs> Actually, and, and we'll my, we might as well just make this the dummy ground because I just got one more in my head. The LA Galaxy, not for necessarily the fact that they lost, but Steven Gerrard. I mean, come on, man! <laughs> How did Thierry Henry know what to expect and Gerrard didn't? I, I, and here's the thing. It's not like he, him and Liverpool haven't come here the last few years. It's not like he couldn't have talked to Robbie Keane before he came over. He had, he what, he signed up like three months ahead of time? Like he had to have known, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just, it's just so inexcusable to me. I'll tell you what though, playing in the Western Conference, and I'm not going to look back at the Galaxy schedule. I know, it's, I know it's different play. because everybody's all spread out, but still. Right, that's what I'm, I, I, right. I'm not making excuses, but I'm sure, you know, it's a little easier for Henri when you're, you know, you're going to, to Massachusetts and Philly and, you know, for most of your games. That, that Galaxy are going all over the place. I mean, a trip to San Jose isn't fun. Uh, but, not but, making, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, uh, 
it's a little bit more adventurous than playing in the East. Oh no, no, I get that part, but it's just still you. The comment was, I didn't know what to expect between the travel and the altitude and the field conditions. When and I, and, and I and I get it, England and most of Europe is different, where you don't have to travel large distances unless you're playing in a Champions League setting. You don't have turf for the most part. You don't have wild changes in climate and altitude, but you. How can you tell me that having spent time in preseason here the last few years, having Robbie Keane on the team and being able to talk to him and just seeing what people have gone through when they come over and just not get it? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you know what? Let me just, let me just tap in right here. All right? Let me just tell you something. All right, all you Europeans, like a European soccer with your Chinese-ass countries on one altitude, too fucking bad, all right? All right? This is fucking America right here. All right, we got different people, different cities, or big ass fucking country. Cause you know what, bigger's fucking better. All right, that's right. <laughs> and we got t- we got towns that are low. We got towns that are high. Some are hot, some are cold. You know what? But that's what makes the fucking great. You want to take a vacation to an ice storm? You can do it. You want to take a vacation to a beach? You can do it. Cause this is motherfucking America. All right. God bless America. <laughs> where I love. You don't like it? Go back to fucking England. That's what I say. Shoot. Well, he is he is for the winter because he's going to go play for I'm, Liverpool. I'm saluting, I'm saluting right now. I'm saluting. <laughs> uh, There's an American flag. I don't, I don't have one in my room, but I would salute it. Uh, I don't have an American flag, but I have an American flag scarf. So there you go. Um, I, I had something else to dummy ground. I can't remember what it was. I do. Go for it. I'm, I got to think of what I had. The big news of the day. That uh, U.S. soccer said, hey, you USL teams that are just number twos. God damn it. That's the one I want to talk about, too. Well, I'm going to talk about it because well, I'm going to have some fun. I'm, but I'm saying I'm goddamn myself for not remembering it, that. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, the new rule for the U.S. Open Cup is that uh, USL teams that are minor league teams for MLS, you know, squads will not be allowed to participate. The rule, it's just, the just clarification, the rule is, quote, professional teams owned by right. a, a higher professional team. Correct. And yeah. So, so us and, and LA2 and Timbers2 and Sounders2 and 2 and two, 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 Cosmos but, B, I think, technically falls under that too, but anyway. Right. Now, my favorite part, and I'm glad everybody enjoyed this on Twitter, and I got a few retweets and a bunch of favorites for this one. The best part about this is that the Philadelphia Union, who named their team the Bethlehem Steel cannot participate in the tournament for which the original Bethlehem Steel was really good at. <laughs> and I find that amazing. Yeah, I is, hate this rule change, by the way. I do. I yeah. am completely fine with it. I, I hate it too. I hate Pat it. I, see- wait, Pat and I agree on something. This, this, yeah. this, so we're done. This is the last episode Same. ever. We're done. <laughs> we're retiring the Red Bull rant. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's talk. Pat, go ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, like, it, it's the, – the Open Cup is not interesting to begin with. So you have these this slim chance of a, you know, a MLS 1 playing an MLS 2 team in a round. And that is such an interesting thing that we are now losing. So – I hate it. I really do. Um, you know, it's, I just feel like it's taking away like something that could actually make this thing remotely interesting. And, uh, it's not. And I'm sticking by that forever, forever till the day I die. So let's say Red Bull 2 plays Red Bull 1. You're telling me 
that the Red Bulls are going to allow their number two team to knock out their number one team. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch that game naked in all its glory. I'm just going to be like, oh, this is fantastic. Ah. Pat, Pat would be like, I finally understand the Open Cup. Yeah, I'd be like, man, I'm so for this tournament. And what would happen is you have someone like a Sean Davis who, you know, spends most of his year on the two team. He's going to be on the number one team because they don't want to play a lot of their A players on the one yeah, team. That's fine with me. Here's so, the thing. Here, I'm, I'm here, fine with it. Here's my thing. If they really cared about the integrity of the competition, why would they allow teams to block players on loan from playing in the Open Cup? Like, if you, if, because honestly, what, like, I'm going to use Dom Dwyer as the example here. When he was loaned to Orlando City SC when they were a USL team, and he did not play against uh, Sporting Kansas City in the Open Cup. Correct. You can't tell me that Orlando with Don Dwyer would have had a better shot at winning that game. You're right. It's called being cup-tied. He wasn't cup-tied. He had never played for Sporting Kansas City that year in the Open Cup. He was tied because of the loan. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, which, I think is, which I think is bullshit. Them's the rules, buddy. Them's yeah. the rules on all loans all around the world. Yeah, that's, that's the rule. All, all well, I, think that's, I think that's bullshit, but... Just, We're back to disagreeing. It works. The whole <laughs> show's back on. We just got renewed. But but like the whole reason for these MLS two teams is to get players playing time, right? Like that's yes. whether whether on USL contracts or MLSL loans or academy players. The whole point of them is to get playing time. That was that's why USL agreed to it, and I imagine why USSF had to agree to it also. I can't imagine U- U.S. soccer just blindly let it happen because that's just completely out of the realm of possibility. But if you're specifically allowing these teams to exist to provide playing time for MLS teams, then why does it matter, honestly? And you can put pl- things in place. You can say that a MLS 2 team can't play their uh, father team or whatever you want to call it until, like, the quarterfinals. When you're down to 16 teams or 18, sorry, 18 is the quarterfinals. But like at that point, if a, if a USL team makes it that far, let them play whoever the fuck they want. Because honestly, come on, at that point, it's most likely going to be at MLS teams anyway. And you can and you can always block certain matchups from happening until later rounds. I mean, it's the whole reason why MLS teams don't play each other in the first when they first enter the tournament, specifically to give that opportunity to other teams to play an MLS team. So the whole thing is bullshit. Unless they take out all the restrictions on who plays where and who and where. Well, and I don't you know why MLS didn't play. You know why MLS didn't play early rounds? It's because they're Division One. I, I don't think you guys have heard I've, about this. I, you heard about this? I, I have. Listen, I have no problem with them waiting till Division, till, saying Division One, you come in in the fourth round. My point well, is, if they're going to say that NY two, you can't play the Red Bulls because they they own you guys. But then at the same time, say, well, ML- the Red Bulls, you can't play the Union in the, that round you guys enter because you're both MLS teams. Why? Well, basically, I was trying to segue, but, um, you know. Uh, so, well, uh, now you can segue. Yeah, well, because uh, I don't know, guys. Have you guys heard about this? Heard about this? You know, NASL for a while has uh, been lobbying uh, uh, U.S. soccer to be labeled Division One. Um, so I don't know if you also heard about this other story that I find rather hilarious is that they keep hemorrhaging teams despite the fact that they want this Division One status. Uh, the latest being San Antonio Scor- uh, Scorpions have, uh, with the help of the San Antonio Spurs, purchased their own stadium, 
with the hope of expanding and joining MLS. So, NESL, time to give it the pipe dream. It's time. It's time. And for my two cents on the whole NASL bullshit, you want to complain about being not not being given D1 status? Fucking meet the D2 requirements first. And not even (laughs) the new requirements. Meet the original D2 requirements from a few years ago. Until you can do that, stop fucking complaining. You don't even deserve to be D2. USL does, you fucking piece of shit. Well, there you go. I don't know why I got all angry at that, but I just that pisses me the fuck off. <laughs> and I don't care about NAS, NASL fans saying moving goalposts. It, it doesn't matter. You can't meet the original goalposts. What is, the hell does it matter if they move them? <laughs> and then I get uh, the final thing for dumping ground. No, I get is, no, I get I get more. Trust me. All right, you you got more. Okay, cool. Let's the go. second, Keep going. the second to final thing for dumping ground. Maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> uh, the. The U.S. national team uh, actually starts World Cup qualifying next week. Did you guys, uh, you heard about this? You read about this? I, I, uh, I, I think I read a fan post that once mentioned yeah. talked about. This. Yeah, which uh, should probably end up on the front page and once mentioned after the show is done. Well, uh, but uh, well, maybe uh, that person can wait till the person who is the editor is, does other crap first. The, the writer, I think, is very impatient and wants the glory <laughs> now. Uh, but uh, the. Uh, and basically, you know, sarcasm aside, yes, I wrote a post about it, and it's it's it's. When I say, "Have you heard about this?" Read about this. The funny thing is, I don't think anyone has because the the state of the team is such a disaster right now that no one's excited about. It. I mean, the opponent's nothing special either. I get that, but there's literally going into this round of qualifying. There's really no buzz, no excitement, and it's you know it. It's basically, I mean, read the post, but I basically run down, you know, about how Jurgen Klinsmann needs to get over the fact that we don't have a million players in Europe. That will come. That will come in time. We have young guys who are going to make the jump eventually uh, before the 2018 World Cup. But stop playing guys who aren't up to snuff just because they play in Europe. Embrace what you have in MLS. Take some of those guys, bring them along, and once they're in the team, and build them up and then encourage them to make the jump. But until that time, just just embrace it, okay? No U.S. national team coach is ever going to succeed as long as he keeps kicking MLS to the curb and doesn't embrace just what it is, you know? And that, that, that's the basic gist of the article. I suggest you read it. It's good stuff, yeah? You know? Check out my writing, eh? I only write, like, once every two months. Uh, we'll have a lot of time to talk U.S. Uh, next week, I'm sure, too. Mm-hmm. We hope to have a dual MLS national team guest, but that's in the works. Yeah. Uh, my, my final little little dig here, which I quite enjoyed, and I should have actually mentioned this when we were talking about the Smurfs, is I liked Ryan Mira returning to the fold and immediately posting up things like New York is red. It's fantastic. <laughs> he's back, baby. He's back. And he's yeah. already singing his club that he, he quote-unquote was with for a year. So I think that he was really a Buy for the Red Bulls, and that's why they sent him over. And he got "quote unquote" injured, and it was just listening in and listening to how they were going to play. Maha, huh? Yeah, yeah. Someone get him a cape and a top hat and a dastardly mustache. Yeah, double O Mira. That's all I'm saying. All right. So uh, last last thing, and then uh, we have a special um, closing for tonight's show. Um, The Garden State Ultras are doing a uh, event. This weekend, they're doing uh, Scarves Up, I think is what they're calling it. Um, so on Sunday, I believe it's from 11 to 2 at uh, Bellows Pub. 
they're collecting clothing for uh, young adults between the ages of 18 and 24. Uh, the clothes are going to go to the Covenant House of Newark, which helps support uh, homeless young adults uh, in the area. I think it's actually Covenant House in New Jersey, but, you know, still it's worth the while. So they're looking for, I believe it's scars and jackets. Um, so if you have any that you're willing to donate, you know, you don't need any more, doesn't fit, whatever, um, obviously that's a good cause. It's worth uh, hanging out the bellows. Even if it's just a stop by and drop something off, It's I think it's a really good cause to get behind. All right, so now is the time that we would usually wrap up the show, but we have a uh, unfortunate some sad news to talk about. So, uh, Truman, uh, why don't you uh, kick us off on that? As a lot of you know, Empire Supporters Club lost uh, a member, Mike Vallow, this weekend. Uh, he was a guest on our show. And I think what we're going to do, Jay, correct, is we're going to post up our interview with him separately. Yeah, we'll, we'll put up uh, the full episode back up on SoundCloud. Cause I think right now it's on like archive.org since that was before we switched over. So... Uh, just what, you... what I'll do is I'll probably do it um, maybe tomorrow, Friday night. This way, this way, this you guys have a chance to download this one without getting bombarded by it. And we'll definitely we'll tweet it out and we'll post it up on uh, you know Facebook and everything so you guys can go listen. We'll just tell you right now, uh, as a lot of you know, Mike was pretty much started the whole Red Bull out yeah. uh, thing at the beginning of this year. And he came on the show to talk about it. Now, there's a lot of uh, the sound isn't great for mm-hmm. what did you say, Pat, for about like 15 minutes or so. There's a period, I think, about 10 minutes in to about 20 minutes in where it gets a little garbled. Um, I think that might have been my bad because I remember having issues that night. So, uh, so we, do, might have been we do apologize for that, but we thought um, if you guys haven't heard it before, you can. Go back. You uh, you could probably go back and find it, but we'll we'll definitely post it up this weekend so you guys can check it out. I know they're doing some services this weekend for Mike, and we definitely had a huge difference of opinion with Mike mm-hmm. uh, as we talked we talked about on that interview. But I will say that the guy had the balls to not only like feel that way of starting it. But he went, he went through and he did something about it. You know, they did build a website. They did start tweeting about it. They got, you know, in our little Red World, Red Bull world, it was trending. You know, they did hold a small protest outside having people, if they wanted to turn in their shirts, they, they made a billboard. They did a lot of stuff, you know, to the beginning of this, this season. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people bitch and do nothing. And this guy went out and he did it and he came on the show and he talked about it. And I think I'll always respect anybody who has an opinion and is willing to go out and, and stand behind it. So yeah. mm-hmm. Mike is going to be really, really missed uh, with a lot of his friends who are ESC members and his family. And, I mean, I'm going to miss – we're not going to be able to have him on uh, to talk about the end of the season yeah. and if the movement is still going strong. So, yeah. you know, just we, we definitely want to just offer our thoughts and condolences to uh, his family. And um, I think we'll do a little something special for him this Sunday at the Red Bulls game. Yeah. And uh, and also, you know, aside from our episode, um, both Dave Martinez, because he wrote for Empire Soccer around the same time when I started writing for Empire Soccer. Um, you know, he, he wrote a column called Sucker Free Soccer. And so Dave Martinez has a nice write-up about him on uh, Empire Soccer. And then Tim Hall, also has a very, very good run up about him. Act, on act, but, first touch. Yeah. Act, absolutely excellent job by Tim. And, yeah. and it's great stuff written for the guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, to echo what Truman said, we didn't agree with him, but he came on. He, he, you know, 
expressed his opinion, stood by it, um, expressed it very well. It didn't just sound like a gut, it didn't say, you know, it didn't sound, it was a far cry from what you heard at the town hall, so to speak. You know, it, it was, uh, eloquently put. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's sad to see someone, uh, a bright, young, intelligent voice, uh, go so soon from the rebel community. So I, I never met Mike in person. Um, the only interaction I ever really had with him was through the, um, the interview we did with him, uh, for Rebel Out. Uh, I did read his stuff on Empire Soccer. And, uh, so while I can't speak to any personal interactions with him, uh, I just, I agree with you guys. You know, it's always sad when someone passes away young, but to, especially when it's a, a person who's contributed to the Rebels community, it's just, in this particular instance, it's really hard to uh, kind of put the words just, you know, how it is. Because I know there's there's so many people I saw online that uh, Mike had touched and just, just hard. <laughs> I try not to get emotional because uh, i got to keep myself together. But, yeah, I just I understand where everybody's coming from, and uh, it's just a sad day all around. Um, so clumsy transition, but uh, let's get out of here. Um, any last words before we go? Why don't we go stomp on DC's head and do it for Mike because he would have wanted it that way. Yeah, win for Mike. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Rebel Rant.